Don't miss the forest for the trees. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sasson behind the scenes. This quote leads us into our guest today, Paul Cater. Coach Cater is the founder of Alpha Project and coaches speed training for the average and the underserved. I love Coach Cater's philosophy and approach to the mental and spiritual side of training in life and kind of how he's able to draw upon different philosophies and different fields of training and kind of apply them to our field. We talk a lot on this podcast about getting stuck into the rabbit hole of knowledge and getting stuck into doing what others want you to do and doing what you have copied from others. And Coach does a really nice job and he brings it up because of the the Da Vinci mindset and uh, looking at training and the way Da Vinci looked at life and looking at training the way Da Vinci looked at some of his projects and how we can kind of start to create thinkers and start to create people that are creative in their own training process. And I think it's something that we're we're missing and and it's desperately needed in uh, the field of sports performance with kids that don't have any time to create in their day, don't have any time to kind of take control during their day. So it was pretty cool to hear a coach talk and mention about some of this stuff. So I hope you guys are ready to dive in. Thank you guys for listening. All right, well, coach, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here. I am stoked to be here. I love it. We, we've been talking for 47 minutes, trying to get it into a flow state a little bit, and we, we figured we finally had to start this podcast and record it. At, at some point, you have to push, you have to say go, you know? <laughs> so the warm up can only last so long. And I'm ready to rock. Let's do it. So, do you want to tell the listeners, before we start diving into the sports performance realm and what we've been talking about, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your background, kind of how you got to the point that you're at today and the, the mindset that you're at right now? Yeah, sure. I'm, well, I'm just an average five nine guy. I played uh, Division two football at UC Davis. Um, I don't think we really we didn't really have an official strength conditioning coach. Uh, that that to me was really the origin of everything because I I had to find a way to become relevant and and find my way on the starting team and you know and what was my niche and and all that sort of thing. So I I really attribute a lot of my strength coaching career to that experience being at a division two school um, competitive and academic and but you know you definitely had to find your kind of your own way and you weren't you weren't being forced into a routine so that that was hugely fun foundational in my in my development yeah and then kind of went from there i i didn't get i think it's important to note too i didn't get a a, a degree in my undergrad in the sports sciences. So everything was experiential and everything was self self taught in the early stages through that kind of through that scope of, of uh, division two football. Now that, that passion kind of led into different things. Um, I got my first strength conditioning job in London. I was there for nearly seven years working in professional rugby, um, a sport I had, I'd never seen a live game in, and then I was somehow working at the the top level in in the world, really at, at the club level. With our, our our team was chock full of um, English national team guys who just came out for World Cup. At, at some point, we had 15 international players on the on, on the team from all over um, in a sport I never I'd never played nor 
seen a live game in a live match. So and that led in, uh, moved home in 2011, worked for the Baltimore Orioles for seven seasons. Um, had three pair playoff appearances after 15 years of straight losing seasons and was a part of what I think was the renaissance of, uh, strength conditioning in, in professional baseball where, uh, yeah. So like we can talk more about that, but, and then kind of, you know, settled back into my hometown, uh, Salinas, California, where we have, uh, I have a, a gym what's currently closed and if, uh, yeah, I have a, you know, training mostly youth, you know, the, 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 uh, ends of the spectrum of the athletic to long-term athletic development with, uh, youth and then with old, older populations. So that's kind of where, where life has evolved and, and, um, starting my PhD this, this fall and, uh, investigating some, some cool things that I've, I've been passionate for almost 20 years about. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, uh, yeah. That that journey is awesome. I, I want to draw it back a little bit to that Division Two weight room tour. You you were talking about how before how you guys are just kind of given the program that some pro team had done before, and I, I love that thought process because as it's something we did. We were a Division Three football team, and it was it was the same thing for us. We, we we only had a strength coach one of our years in college, and the rest of it was like, hey guys, like we got we got team lifts, like you guys figure it out, and, and that that kind of journey for me, like. I, I tried out all different programs. I tried out every different thing. And like the amount of knowledge I'm able to draw upon, like even now from those days of like, holy crap, that did not work. Or maybe I like that a little bit. Maybe we experiment, but just that kind of experience, experimentation, like model and like being able to force, cause you have to produce results cause it's your own athletic career. Mm-hmm. It's helped me so much now. Like what kind of, what kind of did those old programs look like for you? And what was that kind of experimentation process like for you? Well, I just, I just remember, okay. I think it was the Rams like 1992. I, it was something like that. Um, I just remember poorly Xeroxed, like, in fact, I'm just closing my eyes, kind of remembering it right now. And, and, uh, I mean, the, the format, I mean, I guess it, the point is this is like rep schemes and, and configuration of programming are, are always going to be kind of, right you know within someone's context i mean and you give anybody a program there it's going to be uh it's going to be beneficial especially to a relatively untrained population especially in american sports where there's these huge off seasons you, you, you can you can kind of make mis- you can make mistakes with it you know let's say you go too heavy and or too you know too much in one direction okay well it's gonna over the 16 weeks you can correct and you really don't have to you know be that precise it's it's not until i got to europe where it's like holy smokes this the season's like 11 months long or whatever it's like you you have to be training a lot within the season or in baseball where you have eight months where where you can no longer just like get, you know train a bit in the off season then ride it out all, all through you know to get the dog days of august and then you have an excuse to be hurt and then take a bunch of drugs to like get through like you know so I guess the whole idea that programming, I was suspect right from the beginning of my career. It was like, this, this is just some handout. Like, how does this apply to me? You know, or, or, or there, there's so many different, different aspects here that it forced me uh, to be biased against mass produced programming uh, with these long periodization models. And it, it, it created 
this this the, the onus on myself to like okay i have to really discover and not only that but lead others too like um and, and try new things you know joining the track team working out with the, working out with the, with the track team figuring you know, wearing my first pair of tights when everyone else was like still wearing baggy basketball shorts going out and buying like racing flats like okay what are, or, you know track shoes like what is that you know or being having a healthy cynicism without being ice without isolating yourself too much in like the d- days before wireless headphones you know where you can't just lock yourself away and be the grinder who is just oblivious to to, <laughs> to the kind of the context but it's like but having a healthy cynicism like okay how does this all fit together and that was essential in my education when i didn't have a formal sports science bachelor degree education you know so that's direct my whole probably my whole career mindset as I think about it currently, like even right now, you know, I was going to say that the healthy cynicism, I feel like is something we're going to draw upon, especially later when we talk about your kind of mm. rethinking everything approach to sports performance and like how you, how it has shaped everything. I think that's really, really mm. powerful, but we, I want to, I want to talk about you, you mentioned how you worked with the Orioles and kind of in the Renaissance of baseball, like mm. the training and kind of the, the different approach mm. there. Uh, I, I'm interested in what that was like for you, and then that step from going to the working in the professional baseball world and being it like, I mean, that, that, that's a pinnacle for, I feel like most people's career and then making that step to kind of open up your own gym and kind of dive into that route. Like what was that whole journey like for you? Mm. Well, both of my professional jobs, I didn't apply for, um, the, the, the opportunities were, were kind of born out of just, being curious and 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 being available tra- and training um, and having like a training interaction like you creating a bond with the decision makers who later said hey we need you you know um, so I didn't apply for for either of those jobs formally the application was months of training with people who who later down the road were like yeah this is the fit um, so that's I think that's important because again I'm I'm kind of speaking to the the, hung, uh, the knowledge hungry uh, intern level or out of college or, you know, the podcast generation, which, which is zestful for knowledge, trying to, but maybe has a hard time uh, discerning what's wisdom, like more, more knowledge that's not applied is, is just a lot of taking up a lot of bandwidth in your, in the mind, you know? So, uh, so that, that, that's to be said. So when I came back from, from Europe, I, I had lived in orange County, and was studying under a physical therapist down in um, Irvine. And we would play, we would play flag football with uh, a guy named Brady Anderson and like some of the pros he was, he was training and some of the young college guys or whatever. So like we would play flag football a lot, you know, and then we train and, you know, whatever. And, and I did some kind of had some of my first clients down, down there. Uh, anyway, so, Went to Europe six, seven, seven years later. He, you know, back in town. Boom, okay, come, you're coming to spring training or whatever. So, and, uh, but at that point in professional baseball, I don't, I don't think many weight rooms had uh, even a barbell in them. They didn't have, they didn't have elaborate Sornex rack and rig, you know, systems. It was, uh, I know that from what I hear, it was like weight vests. Yeah, I don't think you could do any, you couldn't even do a pull-up wasn't allowed. <laughs> um, definitely no overhead lifting, jogging poles. I mean, it was, 
it was body weight, maybe some med balls, a lot of cables, but no high force, no high velocity work. Right. So when, when, uh, my boss who also was like a vice president and that's the only way it, it happened, um, was that he was also like vice president of uh, baseball operations, I think. But so, and he had the, had the, had the ear of the owner. So we were able to do things that, no other team could do because they weren't allowed to do them without having to like cover your ass be you know like culture in baseball is like okay there's you're not the risk reward there's no risk reward there's no reward for risking anything really because even like you don't even you're not even allowed sometimes to progress rehab fast because they want to it's not a culture of that's not the culture of getting guys back on the field as fast as possible. It's, it's, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but yeah, so we were able to do a high force, high velocity performance program rather than a, uh, injury prevention maintenance quote unquote program. And that was really exciting. I think that was innovative in baseball guys, teams would come to the weight rooms to the weight room and, just be like, what's going on here? Like we'd, we'd travel with barbells to opposing teams, weight rooms, just making noise. And they're like, what is all this? And it was just r- really an interesting time to be a part of. Now, like, like in my rugby day, I had, I had never worked in the lower levels of baseball. I, I just thought it was normal. You know, here I am working in the major leagues in a major league clubhouse <laughs> with the top players. And yeah, I played high school baseball, but I wasn't like, you know, I hadn't, you know, grinded ground through the, through the minor leagues as a, as a strength coach. I haven't, I didn't ride the buses or, or even work in, work in that culture. So I didn't even know how unique it was. I mean, I remember I, I did a, I went to a minor league, I uh, was working with our minor league uh, rec- uh, draft picks. And I just brought, I brought a barbell out to the, to the, to the, to the foul line before the game. I thought, okay, this is, you know, Hey, this is, I want to potentiate the guys. And, and everyone was like, everyone was just, just uh, like flabbergasted what was going on. And I was totally oblivious to the whole, <laughs> to the whole thing. Cause culturally I wasn't like, I was ig- ignorance was kind of bliss and actually helped, helped me in that, in that regard. Cause I didn't know who, who these guys even were, you know, I, I don't know. I, I didn't even watch, I didn't watch the baseball game in seven years, practically being over overseas. So, uh, you know, that, that's a little bit of my journey. I, I think it goes into the broader point of this whole podcast, which is just rethinking everything and removing our, our, our own biases and, and, and limitations based on over like, I don't want to use the word slavery lightly, but it, it you kind of become slave to to overhead, to the financial and economic systems of strength conditioning that I don't think we're ever really taught. We just accept them and they're like, this is how you keep your job and this is how you maintain your rent. But it really determines like everything you do and eventually molds what you teach. And so I I, I don't I don't I'm not a rebellious guy in that regard. I don't think rebellion for the sake of rebellion is healthy. Um, we're being isolated and independent. It's like a, a healthy thing. I'm, I'm very much like a team guy, but through college and through my first two jobs, it was very much like we're doing something unique, not, be, not just for the sake of it, because, but because I'm allowed to think like this. And that's probably what I want to, my, my legacy probably, or I don't know, that's what I want to teach other young people. It's like, Hey, let's, you got to think 
not just outside the box for the sake of it, but really putting yourself in situations you can, you, you're allowed to think and be creative and hold true to principles and, and formulate and hold true to principles that you believe in. Because just like the 1989 or whatever Rams program, that's effective. That That's effective. It may not be effective for me or the athlete, or it may, may not be optimal, but hey, pro, any program could be effective right on paper. People believe it. But where does that lead you to in, in your limited thinking and, and really getting the best out of athletes and getting the best out of potential for really we're mostly average people. I mean, that's it. Well, and I feel like your, your, your ability to approach it in that way is something that, like you said, like you don't want to rebel to rebel, but you, you want to be able to go into an environment and kind of connect the outside dots to do what makes sense to you, you know, like in that baseball world, like that was something that was totally new to them and totally rebellious to the baseball world. But to you, that was just like, (laughs) it's what made sense, you know, because you're able to bring in that outside perspective to the world. And I I just feel like that's where we, we we sometimes miss it as strength coaches and, and sports coaches, especially is like, we're so far deep into our own field that we have no outside ability to, draw any of these outside connections, you know, like it, it's just always the way it's been because it's the only thing we see. Like we talked a little bit before the podcast, like if the only thing you see day in and day out is a barbell squat or a barbell lift, like that's the only thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you're just going deeper into, all right, like how can we make that the only thing we know, the only tool we have more proficient and like, how can we continue to progress? self-preservation? So the whole, the whole industry is based on self preservation based on your first the capstone project of your bachelor degree is getting the cscs okay well you're you're memorizing a book that was written by you know hey i'm not saying they're they're bad principles i studied that was my first entry point into the profession i i i drank a lot of coffee in starbucks studying for 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 that but um (laughs) It, it, you're you're automatically in the pipeline of what do I have to do to, to either get a job or save save my job, which is usually or or again pay pay the overhead. So you're you're always paying somebody. So how do you how do you? I think my passion is creating a freedom of and, and creative thought process for young professionals, which is going to you know obviously reflect on on the athletes themselves. Like how do you create creative independent? Uh, thinkers who are really good leaders and get the best out of of, of other people because um, the people you know the good athletes and the and the, the, the talented are always going to be talented. I don't care what you give them to do. The eighty nine Rams, you could probably have them do whatever you know. Um, but where the, it's in the margins of of the not the outlier, but the it's it's either the young or the old. Uh, or, or just the average is that who are really trying to train here because the blue chippers are already just, you know, roll them out. They're going to dominate. You know, they really don't have to do that much if we're honest until they get to college and then they can start getting in, indoctrinated. But um, I don't know. So I, I don't want to seem cynical. I think it's, it's in vogue to be like a rebel and be like, Oh yeah. I, you know, and, and I've fallen down that trap too. Like I want to be different for different sake. But in reality, in reality, it's like yeah, that's what we're talking about here is like creating a free a, a, a mindset that's not dogmatic, that's not like just immediately in the system of you know in the economic system of all this, which isn't really even talked about. So I'm I want to impart that to young young listeners or people starting out their career. And, it, and have that, that awareness, you know. 
yeah and then that that leads a little bit to like the what of like what can like because that, that that's something like you talk about knowledge versus wisdom and like what can the young listener or the young person do to kind of like mm. ensure they are questioning the right way they should question ensure they're thinking the right way they're thinking and not getting trapped into the the kind of the, the circle of strength conditioning life that is like mm. how, how how like what is some advice you think you can give them to kind of help that help that process to make sure they are doing that and are thinking the mm. way they should think Right. I, again, I, I had a very unique pathway that was, I believe, um, uh, you know, it, it was out, it was from a higher power that kind of orchestrated these things. I don't I, I can't claim <laughs> to have earned the right to work for these two two top professional teams in different sports in different parts of the, of the world for over five years in each team. I can't propose to know the magic f- formula there other than like you know, faith and just being passionate and stuff like that. But uh, for, for, for me, it has to come down to self experimentation. I think that's, that's like kind of the, the nexus, is it nexus the right word or maybe the, the, the driver of, of where all that comes together is like, Hey, you got to experiment on yourself consistently in these different training methods uh, to kind of get your own, not niche, but you know, you know, and I, I personality and, and understand what you teach and how you teach it. Cause you can't regurgitate. Yeah. I don't care if it's the barbell or whatever. It's like, if you're just teaching what someone else taught, taught you without speaking from authority, like that's, that's, that's a problem going forward um, for your, for your career. It's like, you're just trying to memorize something. And, but that's, that's also hard to do without being super specialized. Like I don't care if an intern comes in and he's like a snatch expert but he can't run it's like well that doesn't do anybody any good or that you're just a footwork guru ladder guru but you you can't you know lift or you can't manage loads and and all that sort of thing so being comprehensive is an interesting interesting thing but uh, i don't know i forgot the original question but it was like how, how do you create that cultivate that that mindset well that's i don't know I, i'm still trying to figure figure that out but uh self-experimentation and and having a real i think a broad uh, a, a broad palette like for for different in- inputs of or you know different educational experiences too you know and in and, and your own artistic expressions that are that are outside strength conditioning well, that, that, that's something that we talked about yeah. too before the podcast is like staying connected to the field. And I also like, and I'm going to tie this in is like, just because that last little bit you mentioned is like staying connected to yourself and like what you believe in. Because mm-hmm. I feel like you said like so many times it's regurgitated or it's like somebody else said mm-hmm. this, so I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. it's like we, we, we as coaches have never done it ourselves or we just never have invested our kind of soul into what that actually is. And then it's so it almost just turns into like that program, you know, like that sheet of paper that we're handing out again, rather than the the connection to what's actually happening, the connection to the sport, the connection to the athlete, the connection to yourself that kind of allows you to move all this forward and allows you to think in the way that hopefully we're all thinking in because we, we are connected, you know, like if it's not going right, we feel it because we're connected to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're not doing your own program, like that's, that's, I think that's troublesome because if you're not feeling the, what the athlete's feeling, that's, and you know, I don't know, I don't know the college strength and conditioning world as much as I would 
think, but you know, you hear stories and you see some things, but you know, if I, if I think about the typical college strength conditioning coach, it's, I don't see them sprinting much. Again, it, it's based on, cause you're always in the weight room and that's your area that's your lane. And, um, but that, that to me, I don't want to be that, that guy who only lifts and becomes like more and more and more of an expert on just that because it's like a self-preserving thing. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit scary when you say, Hey, yeah, I can teach speed. I'm not, I'm not the track coach, but, or I didn't run track, but I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out and I'm actually getting faster as a 43 year old and getting working <laughs> reverse, uh, or, or I don't know what the right way to say it, but like, processing these biases and these teaching methods that I like tried to memorize over the last 20 years that just like got me hurt. <laughs> and, and going back to when I was just a D2 athlete, like running my ass off, trying to just figuring it out, you know? So I, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, that was one of the things like I did, like, even with myself is you, you talk about like staying in your lane. It's like, there, there was a day I remember it was like almost like a year ago where I, I squatted like it was like 500 pounds, co squatted up and down. And then I went to the gym to play basketball with some of my players and they were doing like some dunk contest or something like that. And I jumped up and it was like barely touching rim. And I was like, well, like, man, like it is like, what should I be focusing on here? Like adding more weight to that squat or like maybe developing right. some of these other athletic potentials. And that's where like, I took down my own journey of like dunking a basketball. And now it's like some of the mobility things, some of the speed mm. things, but you said like, like where, like almost, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot too, mm. is like, where are you deficient in as a strength coach? And then if you're deficient in that, like, what do you think your athletes who you program for are going to be deficient in? You know, like mm -hmm. if you were yeah. this big beefcake of a like strength coach, like what do you think your athletes are going to be? If that's how you see the world, if that's how you program for the world, like, mm -hmm. and that's where something like, I, I just yeah. started to realize in my own head is like, I need to create, like, I need to program myself to be the best athlete I possibly can. So then I see mm -hmm. the world in that sense, you know, like I, I program for the world in that sense. I start to, start to make those connections of what being athletic actually feels like actually is like right. and how these things are actually carrying over not what the book says should carry over this covid era is has been eye-opening it's been of a soul-searching time because i wanted to be the guy even though it was like this uh, dichotomy of i want to be the rebel and and do things always uniquely different but at the same time i want to be stay in your lane guy and i'm the strength coach i'll teach the barbell sport coaches will teach the sport but when you remove um your gym or you remove your job and you're left competing with uh, the local gurus who have you know you know when you take away the the pretty building or the education and everyone's on the level playing field in their garage you 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 better be able to work on the on the comprehensive picture and i realized i just really focused i talked a good speed game but i didn't really love it live it and i was my bias was so heavy into the the barbell that i um or the flywheel for that matter like the the, the, the loaded movement patterns like i i just had an eye opener like dude i'm i'm not cutting it you know and 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 neither are the athletes i'm training because we're not living in this I'm not living in a professional sports world again, where I have to really stay in this tiny lane. Um, I'm the, the private world is a different beast. And 
it, it was a bit of a, a yeah, come to Jesus moment with, with me. And, and thankfully the gym's closed and I had to do mobility work on my, on a zoom class three times a day. And I got sold up. I got, I, I finally did the mobility work I needed and that my hip got better. And I finally started running daily that I was preaching and, you know, and then I, that opened my mind to listening to different influences. And for the first time in my, in my recent memory, I was no longer trying to be the expert everyone was supposed to listen to. I was sitting at the feet and, 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 and being submissive to other experts, especially in the sprinting realm. And, and that's really helped this rethinking mindset <clears throat> being, being, Submiss- I won't, submissive isn't the right word, but being, you know, humbled isn't the right word either. It's just being like available to learn from others because of your, the pretty prison has been, you've been freed from it. You know, you've been freed from the pretty prison of a giant stadium or a beautiful gym that you built. <laughs> and yeah, I, I feel liberated in my body and my, my training and everything's being fr- freed up to put into the right context again, but probably after tw- I don't know, 20 year process of going not backwards, but well, that, that was, that was something that we, we talked about like that healthy um, cynicism and like the, the approach to keeping that rethinking everything approach, because like, this is uh, like, we, you t- we talked before the podcast about how COVID forced us to do that now going forward like how do we continue to look at things in a different light continue to look at things with that rethinking everything approach to where we like you said we don't get stuck in those pretty prisons we don't get stuck in the the expert mold of we're supposed to have all the answers so we shouldn't have to ask for anything you know we shouldn't have to look at anything because we already have these answers and that's where like just going forward like what's what's our approach to like how do we look at something continually with that rethinking everything approach it doesn't mean you have to change everything it doesn't mean you have to like throw everything out with the bathwater. but it's like how do you continue because yeah. that, right. that was one of the posts you posted like it was a clean and jerk mm-hmm. or maybe it's just clean but it was like you were rethinking the clean something that mm-hmm. has been around since yeah. the dawn of day of strength conditioning and that you were that's that's where you looked at that lift now in a different light Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Because you're putting it in the context of, you know, of actual performance. Where I'm trying to, I'm trying to run faster. I'm trying to run a sub 540 after, you know, at 43. Where a while back I couldn't hardly run at all with like hamstring and calf strains up the wazoo because I was so heel dominant with everything and and um, you know going down that 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 rab- the rabbit hole of the of the um, barbell uh, uh, as a, as the be all end alls and stuff like that. So, I think that that, uh, that idea that uh, you you got to you know that you're learning from others is it's kind of like cliche a little bit because like it's over over overcooked. Like oh like everyone's posting what books am I reading and like you know which is which is cool. Like you got to learn. We but I think there's so much information being digested right now that's still not put in the natural context and order because like you people are reading all these things about process and 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 mindset and you know all all this mindset set stuff but it, it's it's almost like in its knowledge 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 more information but where's the wisdom in it and how, where does it become wisdom and application it's it's through 
humility and being humbled in your own training approach. Probably it's like, okay, I'm going to go get outside my own box and get outside my own lane and free, free myself. And uh, studying, I've really learned a lot from a Darian bar and, you know, through my relationship with Joel as a friend who led me to Darian and just some running concepts has changed my approach to running and teaching running and putting my lifting in the context of, of running better. So, and, it's, and then in turn, it's helped me refine my business model and like being realistic. Like, what am I teaching? Who, what populations am I going after? Who, who's my bread and butter? Like, I don't want to chase things that aren't true to me. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to recreate a CrossFit class. I'm not competing with CrossFit. I'm not competing for, for adults, low, like, you know, aerobics or, or, you female populations or whatever that I probably had to do to, to maintain an over building overhead. You know, I'm, I'm getting more back to my true roots and where I started, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Which well, and I, I, I think that ties in a little bit to something that I wanted to cover with you because I love your post on watching like your kids train and like how mm-hmm. the, the positions you're able to see them get into mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. what they naturally do, their, their, their lack of fear, mm-hmm. their, their, their ability mm-hmm. to connect to that movement and just be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I'm interested in how that has helped your kind of outside approach and what we can learn from watching kids train and watching what kids do naturally. Yep. And then how much we kind of, we break that apart as strength coaches trying to like force our athletes mm-hmm. into this robotic mold. Yeah, because because as a strength coach, you're instantly interested in scalability, right? So, but self preservation is based mostly in this industry on, on, a, on your ability to scale and re, reproduce for larger bodies, which boils things down to like mem- memorize memorizing uh, or cue, you know cues for yourself because you learned it in a certification program, or you know, and then telling your athlete cues. So it's like this never ending chain of like memorizing, memorizing cues and, and skills that may or may not like, okay, the A skip. So before I even, you know, started learning the A skip, you just ran, you ran <laughs> fast, you ran well, whatever. So then you're like getting this thing like, Oh, I need to, I need to teach the dynamic warm up. I need to, you know, it becomes like this tool. It, you know, it's, there's some value, there's some value to it, of course, but, um, I used like my daughter's three, almost three. And to see her development without, without take like memorizing anything or without following a command, just watching play. Cause she's been in the gym with me constantly and just watching and, and uh, watching other athletes, older athletes, just myself and just what the mimicking of through that has been really dynamic it's been probably one of my greatest educational moments in my life, just watching her and just realizing like what we can do without having athletes memorize things and become these robotic uh, people like is, is, is huge. Like, and, and where my passion training these pro athletes is, is, is really boiling. is really kind of going the other way. So I want to train this, this process of the adolescent. What are they doing before all the growth plates closed? And they're so, indoctrinated with these ideas of this that and the other like that's that's exciting to me that's me training exciting to me obviously because it's my own flesh and blood i see my own kind of patterns in her it's kind of illuminated a lot of my own 
just the foibles and, and like mis, <laughs> misdirections of my own training, trying to be something I'm not like I'm five, nine, I'm not a six, five guy. I'm not a, like my limb length. Isn't this guy. I'm not, I don't need to be this weight to be optimal. All these things like that are born out of insecurities. These kids don't have insecurities yet. They don't have fears. They don't have a list of things to memorize. They're not trying to make a team or anything. So it's like this magic moment where you have these three-year-old running around. You're like, it's just beautiful. Like I, I, I'm so passionate about her, not just because she's my daughter, but just because it's like this pure progression of, 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 of movement and speed and, and strength and all this athleticism. It's like, it's just magic. I wish I want to bottle it or, or just, I don't know. So yeah, it's become my muse really. And it's hard not, I don't want to exploit your kid and like post on them all the time. But at the same time, it's like, this is what it's about. This is what training is about. It's, it's, it's being in the moment. It's mimicking nature and movements and efficiency outside of a, a, of a task orientated life, like t- checking off a list. And that's what most of this college or high school college kids are doing or youth sports now it's like accelerated that robotic behavior is accelerated by the recruiting process which is forcing like is forcing kids to skip steps in developing fundamental athletic and you know fundamental athleticism going straight into specialized skill and lesson and a lesson culture where it's like there's becoming more and more deficient the injuries aren't getting any any better uh, the injury rates are, are probably the same i don't know the stats but but i know like let's take the ucl injuries throwing arm injuries in the advent of more personalized specialized training the injury rates aren't i don't think are getting really any any better um so there's because there's just athletes are so out of tune with their natural rhythms and 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 kind of <laughs> you know, uh, genetics, you could say, or whatever. It's like their own abilities. I went through that as a young guy. I was like, okay, I want to be 220. I want to I be this guy. I put heel lifts in my shoes. I want to be taller. I want to be like my dad who's 6'2". I, 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 well, so much of my training was born out of insecurity and trying to be something I wasn't that I didn't really accentuate what I had, which was this awesome uh, capacity for agility, elasticity, uh, strength rate ratio, all these things. Like I just tried to be something different for so long and then try to run tall and a skip perfectly and all that. And, and that just led me down to this road of injuries where I was like, dude, I've had enough. And then COVID hit and I learned how to run again at 43 and by watching my daughter and, and kind of sitting at the feet of some of these other people who, who weren't flashy, who weren't, um, you know, they're very organic, you know, that sort of thing. So I, yeah, I'm just in the sweet spot right now of my own learning and my own athleticism, which is, is, is pretty cool. So, well, that's, yeah. that's where I feel like we, 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 we try so hard to like know everything and like you said, like that three-year-old could teach us so much more about the body, what we're capable of doing, the mindset and connection to all of it than like 12 years of college could, you know, like if you just paid attention and understood and stopped trying to mm. outsmart what nature's trying to teach you, what nature's trying to show you, I, mm. I, I just feel like we, we'd have 
And I, and I say this because I see it with my athletes that come in and, and they come in with this robotic, like they've been taught how to run a 40, you know, like mm. they, they've been taught mm. how to skip. They've been taught how to run rather than like, now my job is like to break them out of what they've been taught and to mm. get them to do what they've naturally done. And once that happens, like just how much better it looks, how much more connected they are. Mm. And the, the, the right. outputs that come out of that is, is just so much different than yeah. like what the, the book co- told them to do, what the coach yeah. who read the right. book told them to do. Right. So, so like you, you, you may ask, I, I read on this kind of the syllabus today that like what books are you reading? You know, where are you get you know, where are you getting inspiration or whatever? So yeah, I, I, uh, I, again, I, I've had, I think the unique opportunity to be in this industry, uh, having had a, um, a uh, what social sciences background i think in my undergrad I, I was a history major right so uh history and then communication uh, communications degree and the history is my hob is is my hobby okay i like i like uh art history i love um you know I, I, lo- I, lo- I love history so the books the two books i've been reading i just finished um the biography of uh, Ulysses S. Grant, and um, and then I'm re- currently reading uh, a book on Leonardo da Vinci, and and da Vinci's real like a really interesting figure. Obviously, like people say, oh, he's like you know the most you know the smartest guy in the world, or you know whatever you know our most artistic. But what he did is seeing in seeing nature. Um, looking at everything through the lens of nature, of, uh, its natural s- surrounding, and looking at the mechanics and mathematics in in nature. I mean, we have you have doctors and scientists looking at his his journals and notebooks and and, and drawings, and and it's illuminating what the books caught them. You have doctors seeing seeing the, the anatomy in different ways. You have, um, you know, engineers seeing things in different ways because Da Vinci didn't leave like this set of instructions with it. He saw things in the natural ordered world and like the, whether it's the flying machines or, uh, I mean, gosh, any of his inventions, it wasn't like, okay, here's how you do this. Here's a list. It was, it was I think, seeing things in these, in these pure natural forms in the 1500s but um that people are still learning from his his journals today and um i remember i was studying for my master's in in london and uh in the victorian albert museum you you could go to the upper library it was just this really cool like experience to go study at these in these places overseas and and just crank out you know journal research and whatever but there was uh one of his Da Vinci's manuscripts, you know, journals was there. Just seeing how he 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 saw anatomy and and uh, and trees and animals and and then inventive mechanical solutions and, and stuff like that. So I, I think for an athlete or a coach to see things in their in their natural in the natural order and to see things purely in the kind of uh, Without these list of rules and extra, you know, these these steps, um, you, you you need to. I think, you know, reading reading history is important. Like I don't see a lot of strength coaches, you know, purveyors of of of, of these other sciences. You know, I think that's important. I think like a classical education. You know, re- reading Aristotle, reading uh, 
how, how is the Western mindset and the scientific method even evolved? You know, I think these are these are really kind of some cool, cool studies to 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 dive into. Well, then that's- create. Uh, yeah, and create a thinking method and, and, and a release that allows you to be critical in, in other areas other than your your field is like super important. And and for and I, furthermore, for young athletes, how do you create a training environment that's not based on recruiting? It's not based on a parent or coach or an outcome that allows for creativity, that allows for uh, an artistic expression and looking at, 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 at athleticism in this like broader context other than this object, like this uh, uh, outcome-based deal. That's, that's where it's going, I think. For me to be able to have, like give equal time to painting or writing or, or debate or discussion, it will enhance the athletic outcomes. My daughter's speech uh, abilities, linguistic capabilities are far ahead of, well, I think, or ahead of her peers because she's mimicking movement patterns and that, um, that she's observing in the gym at at higher levels. So the same place in the brain um, that develops language skills is, is also a mimic um, the mimicking portion for for uh, for motor patterns so ling- language is a motor skill and that's was kind of like a i watched this nova program and, and i was just like wow, it blew my mind like if we could teach kids that they're going to be better communicators um but you have to do it in a way that's not memorization or list or or task based and and that that they that is true for a three-year-old or probably a 15 or 20 year old, you know? Yeah. And that, all, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. That's just like making it like, like you said, like it going as wide as you go deep. Like there's so many good points that I, I enjoy and not like, I, I just feel like we get so stuck and thinking we understand exactly what the body does because like we've, we've, we've cut up all the muscles, you know? And then like, once we start doing that and we start thinking of it in muscles and bones and tendons and like every single like small part there, we, we totally, and this is the, your quote, like you, you miss the forest for the trees, you know, like mm. you, you stop understanding the, 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 what learning is. You stop understanding how the mind is controlling everything and connecting everything. And this is like, I, I, I totally relate to your Da Vinci story because like, I just, I just finished up um, Graham Hancock's like fingerprints, of the gods. And like the amount of connections I was able to make from that book to the field of strength conditioning was, was like insane, you know, like the, the amount that I was able to draw upon from that book just in my life and going wider. And, and this is where like, I finished up super training the same time I finger finished up fingerprints mm-hmm. of the God and super training was like good, like foundational, like there was good stuff there, but I drew less upon that mm-hmm. in a book that is completely our field than I did upon fingerprints mm-hmm. of the gods and making yeah. those connections. Yeah. I, I would say you're going to learn more about training by the observation of, of, of nature or, or learning, uh, uh, these, the other, the other sciences that, that you will about the specific training. I, the danger is that you become, you're going to, you're just going to gravitate towards what you learned last, you know? And so you read a book on whatever French contract, you know, everything, your world becomes that for the next phase or year, you know, and, and you got to, 
I, th- I think, yeah, you, you, all the, I, I try deliberately trying to make my, my learning in the sports sciences relational, relational based. So from, from people who I have relationships with, it's like, it's like, you know, you're not going to learn a language really well until you fall in love with somebody or, you, you know, you're not going to learn it from class. And that's, that was a true with learning Spanish. I never took a class, but you know, I, I live, I lived in Spain. I, I went, I lived there for two years. I, I finished my football, you know, playing career, if you can call it that, uh, there i fell you know i fell in love with a girl learned spanish uh had my real first exposure to real sports science there in in barcelona uh, you know comparing notes and like offering something to to somebody at a high level there because i i brought over a versipoli and and they were like you know and had this like comment but but i i fell in like i love with stuff and therefore i learned the language and it was it was like a, a wholly experiential endeavor so uh, learning learning and 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 you know there's an endless amount of knowledge and, and techniques and philosophies it's like make it relational and experiential and then you're going to do this you're going to impart this in the same way to your athletes as opposed to a digested list of like you what do you if you don't, if you teach something outside the the realm of a relationship I think I, I won't say it leads to injury, but it's not going to get make it. You're not going to become less adverse to injury. You know, I, I think your body needs to put in order these things in, in a relational concept context, not just in a rigor, you know, in, in a memorization context and um, learning, you know, I, I go, you know, back to some of these other studies about how we acquire skill and, and how, where, what part of the brain, what, what things develop and things like that. So, um, Hey, that's why the top, why the top paid strength coaches, college football coaches. Okay. They create a memorable experience, whether it has rhabdo (laughs) symptoms or not. It's like, that's what people are paid for, you know? And how do you, how do you be an experienced creator without just being some, uh, you know, you know, but 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 also being scientifically sound that's that's like the real challenge and uh, kinesiology students aren't learning the experience creation of that uh, they're learning the the, the 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 science part which is good um, and then the x x pro guru is the doesn't is devoid of the science so how do you become a guy who has both the art and the science you know and not everyone has the uh, experiences of d2 d- or three <laughs> self top football <laughs> training <laughs> I, mean, I, I i had a unique time of life to be honest uh before the advent of professional strength coaches and proliferation of it and you know where she was a bit more of a self where the industry hadn't hasn't taken over every every aspect of like uh, organize a organized learning <laughs> so anyway you gotta just to stop me because i'll ramble on for <laughs> the, the, the rambles are the best part though because and that's where i took like <laughs> took from that is like our job then as coaches are to just make our athletes fall in love, you know, like develop that relationship with movement, develop that relationship with their bodies and develop that relationship with their sport. You know, like that, that should be our job. Our job should not be to, again, make them memorize anything to force them to do anything. Our job first and foremost should be to make them fall in love and develop that relationship with what we're trying to accomplish. Cause that, that, that typically happens after injury, doesn't it? athletes don't really become in in tune with them with the movement patterns and why 
until there's a major instance of injury. And then they have to relearn why that matters. And then they, you know, those have been the most valuable times of my life, the hardest, you know, when I've gone through the, the, you know, the injury cases. And it's almost like I, you have to go through those like, Hey, strain your hamstring. Okay. Well, it's, really now i need to know why i did it or or you know other ways i've had it's a, a knee a meniscectomy i've had you know I've, I've ruptured a tendon in my fingers so certain things have changed the course of my life really but you you don't want that for your athletes you don't want to say oh you have to go through an injury to learn to learn to to, to really in, it be in tune with these 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 movement patterns and the whys and the the rhythms of loading and all this sort of thing that's when it usually happens and they go through a rehab one-on-one situation where it's not just hey it's my team i'm getting in line for another footwork ladder session and uh you know roll roll out talk about what we did the night before you know it's very rare that there's athletes who train who are super in like there's like a zest for understanding the why of it so I try to filter that out even with my own private business where I know there's certain drivers of group think and the cool factor. I don't have a lot of the cool, cool kids. It's funny. I, I named my, I named my business, the alpha project, which it was kind of based on this um, course I took at a church in London called the alpha course, which was an inter- introduction to Christianity, like just for, for average people, just, you know, whatever people who are just, inquisitive because in england you've had the church for thousands of years or whatever but it's not but at that point there was this trying to rediscovering what is church over there kind of like all this the dogma of religion like people are really inquisitive like what is christianity we have churches everywhere it's like dictates our whole social calendar so we had these cool uh cool it was run by a, a a guy, uh, Holy Trinity Brompton in, in London. So I was like part of that. And part of the culture was like going to church. It was, it was pretty cool. Like the first time I heard like cool bands and I was like, oh, church is kind of kind of fun. But so I, I, I kind of went, I was like, oh, I'll name my, as a nod to that, like oh, Alpha Project. Like, and, but I didn't know, like I came back and it was like this context of alpha male, like, oh, you know, <laughs> the irony is that I don't, I don't, I don't get those athletes. I have mostly females. I have the, and it kind of it naturally evolves the ones that want the intuitive process. Their parents get, get it. Who there's a need of, of it, you know, maybe confidence, but also just like a quest to really understand their own bodies. And it really makes for a fun environment when you have girls and guys who are open-minded and a, that they're able to train with other sports, other other genders and other ages, and then you pepper in some adults and you just have athletes who are on this continuum. And I don't think meritocracy might not be the right word these days. It's kind of a loaded term, but it's like, okay, you might have the, the 15-year-old girl is going to be better than the 18-year-old boy. Or the 12-year-old girl is going to be better than the 16-year-old boy or the, the 40-year-old lady is going to be better than the 18-year-old boy. Like, But it's like this culture of you know, not performance, but of, of learning the body. My three-year-old was lit, like teaching some high school girls a movement pattern, like mim- sh- mimicking it for them because she saw it wasn't naturally right. And she had never, she could barely, she can talk, but you know, you know what I mean? Like, so it's this culture of learning from each other and I, and it's just kind of evolved that way, but it's, it's far from the, the best 
blue chip athletes. And that's okay. I kind of I like that. I kind of like having this continuum of athletic development with open-minded people who are going to be the, the real leaders. And, and I think in business and being great moms and dads and community contributors and, and team players, not the, the best genetically gifted athletes who really only needed maybe do some footwork ladders and some dumbbells. And, and then they're going to already get the, the scholarship. They may have to come home because they can't hack the performance culture and not being naturally the best. And then they have to change schools two or three times and, and they fail in that regard because they're not prepared mentally or emotionally or awareness or spiritually. But um, so that's where the origin of my business name comes. Alpha project is, you know, we're all projects and in my own life, like, and I think we want to be leaders, you know, and, and we want to be, we all want to be first. I don't think anyone proposes that like, I want to be last, but there's like an ingrained uh, humility to it right, with acknowledging we're all projects. And then the name continues to evolve. I've wanted to change it a thousand times, but it kind of, kind of remained and I'm just going to keep kind of going with it, I guess. Well, that, that, that's the, that's so, the that, I, that I love about that is like, you talk about the project aspect of that. And that's the coolest thing I get. Like when we bring in these American football guys that you said that like are so used to the culture of like rah, rah, like go, go, like something cool for Instagram. And you get them to make it click in their head that this is a project. This is a learning environment. Like our goal is to grow question and continue to push it. And once you get that connection made in their head, and, and you just see their wheels turning and now they're starting to question things. They're starting to question training methods. They're starting to create and suggest some of the learning environments that we do. So like we warm up a lot. Most of our warmups are like all very like, it's like, what do I'll, maybe I'll bring like a couple pieces of equipment and they have to figure it out. So I'll put a couple boxes mm-hmm. out and yeah. their job is to parkour for a little yeah. bit, you know, like, and then once that yeah. learning process and they start to create these environments and they start to do this and you just start to see like one, the light come on in their like face and like mm-hmm. they're engaged now and they, they right. understand, but it's just really cool to see in the, yeah. in the raw, raw world of that is American football, mm-hmm. that, that those connections being made and it doesn't take that long to do. All yeah. it is you just like it's, tell them, Hey, it's all right to do this. Right. It's, you know, funny enough, the low, the, the least amount of clients, like, I, I, I worked seven seasons in major league baseball with all st- with all stars and we and going to the playoffs three times. I have the least amount of self um, of baseball clients. I mean, that are, that come to me on their own at high, le- like higher level kids. You know, why is that? And that's, that's a kind of a blow, like a blow to my ego, or at least I think, gosh, it's a wa- waste of, you know, I, I'm working currently with a youth organization, but they're like 10 year olds. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that. I mean, because they learn from the girls softball players I have. And then like everyone's teaching each other. And that's kind of, that's where I, I want to be. We have, we do like ballet warmups <laughs> where I have, okay, who's taking dance. Okay. Here's the girl. Like I have some, you know, a lot of mixed gender classes or whatever. So we have the girl who did ballet. Okay. I want you to leave. Show us, and they're like, yeah, the boy, you can't do a somersault, like even a somersault uh, cartwheel, like looking. So you have to take, we have to all go through this vulnerability, like uh, uh, entry point. 
and 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 sometimes it's manufactured but it's it's organic thing where people feel like it's okay to you know fail and experiment and be creative and and it, like the biggest knock i had on american sports scene from an early age is like the, the jock you couldn't be in theater you know like you had to choose and with with endless seasons and no off seasons and like now the training culture which it's i'm maybe i'm part of the pro- problem now is like okay like I don't want to be part of the problem, but there's not, there's no room for other things. You can't travel. You can't do a year abroad. You can. So like when I went and played football in Spain, it was like the first time I like blended art and culture and sport. And I would like, I fell in love with that. You know, I fell in love with being able to like, okay, you can be into fashion, you know, like from the, like I saw these soccer guys or, you know, just, you can be into different cultural aspects of life in Europe and be a sportsman too. And it kind of, and that was really exciting to me. I think not, not just being in another country and learning a different language, but that just like doubled down on my interest in sports science and be like, okay, and I can, you can be, you can go down this path and not be like the super one dimensional dude. Um, And that was cool. And I want to impart that to young athletes too. It's like, you don't have to get to the point where you hate sport. And you hate it, but you just your dad wants you to do it, or you have to get this scholarship because in the end you just blow out and like you don't it, it takes a long time to recover for some people from that mentality. And 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 I definitely your only avenue is to become a trainer, and that doesn't help the industry, that's for sure. Because there's nothing else for you to do in life. You get done with your career, it's like, well, the only thing I have to do to make money now is uh, train other people, which I think is bad for the industry. You know, if we call it an industry, whatever, but like, uh, it doesn't, I don't know, it just feeds into this like, uh, model of, well, and then that's something with the, with the, with the athletes to be able to draw upon those other kind of fields and like in the stressful moments, like sport isn't everything to have. And when sport's taken away, like sport isn't their entire life. And I, I, I think that's, that's pretty powerful to be able to give them those different connections as well as like in the sport itself. Now, like that's going to accelerate their growth and their learning. And like, if you're learning skills outside to me, like if they have that creative mindset, they have the learning mindset, they're going to learn the skills of the sport way easier, you know, like it just making those connections and just making, and the biggest thing to me is like, just making sure you allow those connections to be made. It's not forcing anything like almost every athlete I've worked with doesn't fight it. It's like, they just need the okay to be able to like, all right, like we don't need to just focus on one skill set, one thing and prove how big we are. It's just the, the green light to be like this. We're going to be all right with this. Like we're, we're going to be able to move this forward. We're going to, these other aspects are all going to draw upon. We can be ourselves. We can kind of express who we are rather than express who the coach wants us to express. Right. Well, that's the art of the coaching really is, is creating the environment and the culture and be willing to, make the sacrifices or fight the battles to, to retain that culture and that space. Right. So to, you know, there's certain things you have to do. You have to remove parents in the building, for, for example, you have, I mean, really you have to have certain space and configurations and equipment lists. You have to have room to, you have to have room to move in certain ways or, or at least out, outside. So you have to be able to control some, you know, there, there's a certain kind of things that, loops back into that whole like controlling the environment and overhead and stuff like that you have to be able to create that freedom of of space and thought and 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 be willing to (laughs) be not marketable 
I mean, people want a bite, a sound bite, and an easily marketable thing. You know, that's why some of these, like, that's why most, uh, per, per, uh, what is it, like, successful business models with, with in fitness are just are just one thing. People want to like. People don't want to think. They just want to go wrap their mind. Oh, I want to get on a bike and have some guy yell at me. Or I want to do CrossFit. Or right, like one element of uh, conditioning, oh, yoga. It's all like it's nothing's all together. You know, it's not a comprehensive approach that doesn't sell. It's too abstract, or it, it, there's too many phases, or it's too involved. You know, they just, just give me a spin bike. Well, that, 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 that's that's the thing you know, too, and I, I feel like that's a lot of that. That's the coaches like ego too you know like they it, it's tough to know it all it's and you'll never know it all you know like you will you never collaborate with others you exactly with others and you have, and you have to be able to accept and open up to some ideas and be able to like dig deeper and be all right with that rather than because yeah. you could master a spin bike you know you could i don't know if you could master mm-hmm. yoga i know yoga is like a deep but you know like it's so much easier if you just stay in your lane and stay in these things rather than open your world uh, up to wildness yeah. that is strengthen it that is human performance and human movement you have to collaborate with others which is very hard to do even for the most well-intended person because in any over and i'm looking through this lens of private enterprise now which you could argue every strength coach's objective is if that's the mountaintop to have autonomy geographical stability and the ability to have a dog a house and a family like the quote-unquote american dream is Okay, if that's if that's the end game, well, you're gonna have, you have to collaborate with other people to, to make that end game to get the the, the physical space to do what you do. Otherwise, you're gonna be in the, in a park or in your garage, and eventually you want you're not gonna want to run a business there. So, how do you work with other people? Like, not everyone's been in a dynamic team environment, even in the major leagues. <laughs> the, the the athletic trainers and the strength coaches most often don't get along. You're always at odds with the pitching coach. Everyone has their own ideas. I saw a really awesome model in rugby. Probably that's that's will be my guiding light for the rest of my life. When you had, you know, we had this huge staff: four strength coaches, four physios, three massage therapists. It wasn't even a performance director yet. It was just, <laughs> it was just super cool. Everyone like got along, and everyone worked really well. And it was like, oh, I thought. And you think, oh, that's how it be in private setting. No, not, not at all. Like, I'm trying to model that now with a, a with a young young baseball mind in the area, which is working out pretty good. It's we can collaborate on 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 the big picture pretty well. Probably the best I've I've seen it. But it doesn't always happen. It does, really happens actually that you can collaborate with someone else um, to create the environment that has freedom of thinking and thought. Uh, it's, it's really difficult. Shoot, even in a marriage, it's difficult <laughs> to, to be on the same, to same page, frankly. But um, it's, 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 a, it's a hard fight, but it's a relational fight. And it goes back to that training is relational. It has to be. And, and, and it's not perpetuated in, in the media or in, in the shoe companies who, who make training this intensely personal vendetta-based like, thing to prove somebody wrong all the time where your your hoods on the earphones are on walking into a stadium or running stairs by yourself to try to prove a, a point and that's i think the opposite of what we really need to be preaching is it's 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 a it's a collective it's and i'm trying to model that with different 
in a diverse, a really a diverse population across the board that we can learn from and have that Da Vinci mindset of like looking at nature, looking at the natural order and mathematics of things and seeing, seeing tempo, seeing rhythm, experiencing that where it's so that's the teacher is, is seeing other things that are a little bit different from you rather than this homogeneous, homogeneous group culture, hype driven experience that is fun and energetic, but it's extremely limiting when you get out of your area and you're not prepared, you're not, you're not prepared awareness wise, emotionally, mentally. And, and that's, that's the mission statement for me is to prepare young people, um, to, to, to be, uh, to have, you know, continue to have this, this, not just the growth personal mindset, but the servant uh, and encouraging of others mindset. Oh, coach, that, that, that's a, that's a banger. That's a way to end the, the normal part of the podcast before we get like a four hour one roll in here. Uh, I, I want to ask you these rapid fire questions before we end this. And you already, you already answered the favorite books, but the second one is who do you think a, a guest that we should have on the podcast that can kind of take us down some of these, these rabbit holes? Hmm. Uh, well, we, we both know Joel just fly. I think that's how we met. Right. Um, I'm trying to think how we even met, but, uh, that's shoot. That's a great question. I have a, um, gosh, there's a couple couple people I've, I've worked with that I, I really groove with and respect. One of them's, uh, there's, they're different from different countries. Interestingly, one's a Japanese colleague, Rio Naito. I work with the Orioles with, and he, he's still there. I'm going to be doing my, uh, PhD research with, uh, a guy named Luis who's working in uh, professional soccer, um, in Europe. There's, a. Uh, Gosh, I, there's, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a question I, I don't, I didn't prepare for. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've learned a lot from a Darien bar remotely, but via Joel again, but I think the guys, you know, and I, as I go back into this doctorate program in, in, uh, there's these guys, I really learned this balance of, of sports science and art and life at, at an intimate level was my friend's and colleagues in Seville, Spain. Uh, Rafa um, Aldonado, he was a Span- Spanish, uh, he worked for the Spanish national team. But these guys were like, they play guitar and they had life and, and, and like, it was like there was a zest for life and balance of, of all this uh, as uh, in conjunction with like intent, in, 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 intense interest in, in capacity and like focus on, on research and, sp- and the sports sciences. It was like, it was just, it was just wonderful. The whole, it just made all, all made sense to me. There was just, uh, in that regard, those are some of my European colleagues, but um, I like that. Yeah, so so th- visit Europe is our, is our answer to that one. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know, like skinny jeans, you know, it's like, I, you know, you wear, you, it's like styles always like 10 years ahead and like, overseas like velocity based training or you know, flywheel which is one of my, my my passions in life for training really and kind of like what what i look to do more research in for uh, all populations but you know these these different modes of you know resistance or or you know you you start seeing more of these uh the whole idea of having like a performance director like you see in, in rugby or soccer like a you know they, it's coming over to the u.s so it's like you always kind of want to be look, trend, trending forward and seeing what's coming and 
and they, they don't master the, I think the rah, rah and the energy and the experience of the American strength coach, um, as much, but I look, I've really looked towards my time in Europe and, um, and particularly these, these Spaniards for, uh, inspiration and in that work life work life balance and and uh, yeah so those, those those are i know they're busy guys but um there's a couple couple of guys uh who've kind of i've tried to expose that to um in my life and in my internships if i do an in, have an intern I, I really try to expose them to that international component and expand their mind past uh what what they're learning in chapter three of the cscs handbook and learning how to how to you know, a triple extension barbell move, you know, <laughs> which is again, which is good. Hey, we all, we all kind of have to go through that, but um, we're looking to build the, the vibe and, and have a broad mindset. And I think the, yeah, the international things like important for people to, to learn from these different people. And um, yeah, I, I, anyway, so I've, if, if anyone wants to specifically talk with some of these guys, I have, they're always, I can hook them up with some That's awesome. interesting guys. Yeah. And then the, the next one, and this is the one I'm interested in hearing you just, just where your mindset is right now. Uh, and I think it is, I think we already talked about it a little bit. What's kind of next for you? Maybe it's a one-year goal. Maybe it's a five-year goal. It's just like, what, what's that next big thing you're looking to accomplish? Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned some of the, the doctoral stuff. I want to, I want to get back into that student mindset officially um, and, and, and research a couple ideas I've had for quite a while that I've been, you know, the drum I've been banging, I think, I think it's, it deserves a little more uh, time, time on. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to embark on that endeavor for the next probably three or four years, which is it's exciting. It's a bit scary, but it, uh, it, it just kind of finishes this, this learning progression I've had over the last 20 years. Um, I think again, what's, what's the mountaintop is yeah, sustainability. <laughs> you know, it's not preached often, but like, okay. And, and, and also moving, moving past, like looking backwards to the time when I was working here, there and have it, but just being in a real peaceful state of contributing locally, um, thinking, thinking globally. And like, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but working locally, contributing locally, but thinking globally with, with some broader research terms, but just like if I, if God's given me, 12 to 20 young athletes in the area, how much can I pour into their lives and, 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 and get out of the scale scaling mindset, even though I know it's, you have to do that a little bit, but can I be present with my kids, with, with, with the people in the community? That's really where I'd like to, to aspire to not always having my mind somewhere else. And, that, and that's, that's, di- that's difficult. You know, it's difficult. You know, can I be a, can I be at peace and still in the moment in this local uh, environment? And that's, that's a practice daily endeavor, I believe, because you're born to this, the strength coach mindset is like, you're always trying to achieve, achieve a trophy or gain credibility. It's kind of like you're already kind of a second class citizen in most sports environments. So it's like you're, you have this chip on your shoulder. You're trying to like climb up the ranks or become credible. And can I just be at peace with what's in front of me right now? And that's, that's, that's what's next for me. Um, but to answer a bit more specifically career wise, I'd like to get my, uh, finish this, get my doctorate and, uh, yeah, contribute to the, to the body of knowledge, uh, surrounding eccentric overload, uh, particularly in flywheel 
training and how that how that can um, benefit even like a post I did today on uh, on regeneration you know, recovery. Yeah. So creating more kinesthetic sense and awareness around you with different these res, uh, um, resistance training methods. Yeah, write, writing more. I think starting to write more. I think that, that you, you, your you talk about like the, the impact you want to leave. I think that leads really nicely into our last question here. And that's when all this coaching stuff is over, all the PhD stuff is over. Everything that you, like you said, like the reaching for trophies is over. What do you want your legacy to be? I'd like to um, first help strength coaches um, understand what a sustainable life is and not have to bow out of this, their passion to grab a, you know, we, Joel and I call it the golden rope or not have to, not have to leave their, the, their passionate fields for what they can do to make money to survive and then have a sustainable family life. I think I love to impart that to the coaches. Um, so not, not, you know, not quote selling out to something that they're passionate about, but also for the athletes. I would love to develop young, young athletes who are, uh, have a, just an incredible awareness level, not only for their own bodies and not only movement, but, um, for other, for other people that they're mindful of that they, they can have an impact in, in that, that sport and training and, and performance is simply a vehicle to, to bless and encourage other people into who they were intended to be. And, and, and as opposed to, um, I think right now the vehicle sport is used, you know, as a vehicle of, of social justice. And I think it, it is, I think, I think that's only scratching the surface and it's kind of, it's kind of half baked. I think, how do you really truly encourage other humans? And, and can, can we see sport as this, really this artistic <laughs> blessing of, of, of the human body and, 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 and what we're really created to be and, and seeing, seeing sport and team and even team sport as that, you know, as, as a real blessing and, uh, that we've been given. And I, you know, I, I believe in, uh, believe in God and my, I have faith. And I think that's just sport has been given us as like, just as much as a sunset or a, a beautiful nature. It's like the human body is this wonderful gift. And um, it's, 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 we see it so often we get so hard focused on, on the outcome, you know, we don't see the progression of it. So on those two fronts, looking at the, the holistic athletic, long-term athletic development and long-term coaching development over 20, 30, 40 years, you know, and specifically seeing people run more frequently, sprint more frequently. And even my watching my 70 year old mom sprint with my, you know, run fast with my three-year-old is I, I wish that for everybody. I don't want men at over 40 to think I just have to jog or I get on a bike, you know, people don't pack it in so early, you know, <laughs> and they have healthier lives because of it. Boom. Coach, that's awesome. We, we, we made it through the podcast. Thank you for being on. <laughs> I, yeah, so I'm a bit abstract and a bit rambly, but um, anyway, I, I, it's, it's an honor just to, that someone cares. I, I don't, I don't really have, I don't feel qualified. I don't feel, I feel like everything's been gifted, and I'm just kind of just uh, a historian or, or observer on the journey. Um, 
I think almost as strength coaches, we have to have that role of like the historian, you know, like we're documenting, we're witness to things. Yeah, of course we do make, we don't want to repeat mistakes of the past. And so much of that is, is just saying, guiding our athletes and teams and people like, Hey, these are trends. Let's not go down that trend. Let's, let's try this. Let's go this direction. So um, I'm, I'm just, it's fun to, to talk about that process, which I think it's been interesting. It's definitely not been, uh, I haven't earned it. I mean, I, yeah, in that sense, it's something I've personally earned. It's just, I've just kind of been along for the ride, which has been fun. So it's fun to talk about. Well, I think, I think that mindset is what has got you guys, got, got you to where you're at. So thank you for being on. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood.